0: Leonard Vole, who had been staring in a dazed fashion at the blank wall in front of him, transferred his glance to the solicitor. "'I know,' he said hopelessly. "'You keep telling me so. "'But I can't seem to realise yet "'that I'm charged with murder—murder! "'And such a dastardly crime, too!' Mr. Mayhern was practical, not emotional. He coughed again, took off his pants-nay, polished them carefully, and replaced them on his nose. Then he said, Yes, yes, yes. Now, my dear Mr. Vole, we're going to make a determined effort to get you off, and we shall succeed, we shall succeed. But I must have all the facts. I must know just how damaging the case against you is likely to be. Then we can fix upon the best line of defence. Still the young man looked at him in the same dazed, hopeless fashion. To Mr. Mayhern, the case had seemed black enough, and the guilt of the prisoner assured. Now, for the first time, he felt it out. "'You think I'm guilty,' said Leonard Vole, in a low voice. "'But by God, I swear I'm not. "'It looks pretty black against me, I know that. "'I'm like a man caught in a net.' the message of it all around me, entangling me whichever way I turn. But I didn't do it, Mr. Mayhern, I didn't do it. In such a position, a man was bound to protest his innocence. Mr. Mayhern knew that. Yet, in spite of himself, he was impressed. It might be, after all, that Leonard Voll was innocent. You are right, Mr. Voll, he said gravely the case does look very black against you. Nevertheless, I accept your assurance. Now let us get to facts. I want you to tell me, in your own words, exactly how you came to make the acquaintance of Miss Emily French. It was one day in Oxford Street. I saw an elderly lady crossing the road. She was carrying a lot of parcels. In the middle of the street she dropped them, tried to recover them, found a bus was almost on top of her, and just managed to reach the curb safely, dazed and bewildered by people having shouted at her. I recovered the parcels, wiped the mud off them as best I could, retied the string of one, and returned them to her. There was no question of your having saved her life. Oh, dear me, no. All I did was to perform a common act of courtesy. She was extremely grateful, thanked me warmly, and said something about my manners not being those of most of the younger generation. I can't remember the exact words. Then I lifted my hat and went on. I never expected to see her again. But life is full of coincidences. That very evening I came across her at a party at a friend's house. She recognized me at once and asked that I should be introduced to her. I then found out that she was a Miss Emily French and that she lived at Cricklewood. I talked to her for some time. She was, I imagine, an old lady who took sudden violent fancies to people. She took one to me on the strength of a perfectly simple action which anyone might have performed. On leaving, she shook me warmly by the hand and asked me to come and see her. I replied, of course, that I should be very pleased to do so. And she then urged me to name a day. I did not want particularly to go, but it would have seemed churlish to refuse, so I fixed on the following Saturday. After she had gone, I learned something about her from my friends that she was rich, eccentric, lived alone, with one maid, and owned no less than eight cats. I see, said Mr. Mayhewn. The question of her being well off came up as early as that. "'If you mean that I inquired,' began Leonard Vole hotly, but Mr. Mayhern stilled him with a gesture, "'I have to look at the case as it will be presented by the other side. An ordinary observer would not have supposed Miss French to be a lady of means.'